Tonight, shapeshifter Rudy van Skoer. He is the general manager of KFC South Africa. He's had a, a stratospheric rise through the ranks of KFC in South Africa. Before that, he worked in the fast-moving consumer goods industry um, in various parts of the world, uh, multinational organizations. He worked at the mighty SAB, and the SAB is Kevin Hedewick, the uh, man who so successfully grew famous brands during his tenure. Uh, he once described it as... South Africa's best MBA program. Would you agree with that, Rudy? I mean, there's the SAB, just this fantastic training ground for anybody who ever had the privilege of working there. Wow. Um, good evening, Bruce. Good evening, listeners. Um, have to smile listening to that quote. I would certainly agree with that. You know, it's uh, I've been very fortunate to be exposed to wonderful people, great talent, great leaders in the rise of SAB as a company. Um, and yes, we were put through our bases uh, and learned a lot uh, as we expanded first, you know, across the African continent and then internationally. Uh, certainly was a great time. Does that shape you as a manager today? Because, I mean, you've got a huge job now. Do you behave in the way you were taught at SAB in those days? Do you uh, sort of set similar standards? Because it was a, a massively rigorous place. Um, I think I'm being quite polite. It's a tough place um, to, to do work. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've heard different different words used. Um, Bruce, the answer is probably yes and no. Um, so obviously, one through one's career takes learning uh, from leaders and from your peers and colleagues that, that is good, then you decide that you want to retain, you want to mimic uh, and, and want to sharpen. And uh, you know, equally, you learn about things that you don't like and, and don't want to mimic and want to avoid. And, and actively focus on excluding that in your journey going forward. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that's, that's true not just for SAB, but all the other roles that I've had. Take the best um, and take it with you um, so that you can apply that trade and, and improve wherever you go. A lot of people um, really stress about what they're going to study one day, and they, they think that what they study is going to determine what they do um, and I find it interesting that you went and you graduated uh, with a BSc in engineering and you got industrial engineering degree have you ever used that degree directly um, because I, I find it so I mean education is great no matter what education you get and you know yeah. any, any, any degree is a good degree but I, I look at your career in fast-moving consumer goods and I wonder whether or not industrial engineering was really you know designed for your career that's interesting. It's an interesting question. You know, I, you know, over over over, the, over my career, I've learned that um, degrees teach teachers ways of thinking, um, as opposed to real clear facts. I think that's sure. probably you know different when you're a medical doctor, etc. But um, you know, from an engineering perspective, absolutely, I've used industrial engineering techniques wherever I've got, and it's um, really taught me over time how to analyze both internal systems, external systems. Uh, you know, macro factors, etc., you know, and, and take a systemic view to to either problem that we need to solve or an opportunity you want to exploit. Um, so, you know, is it the hardcore facility design and process optimization, man? Yes. 20 years ago when I was young and consulting, and as I just entered SAB, certainly that was a focus. But today I think I retained the way of thinking and, and how you use the analytics part of it um, more so. And like many engineers, um, because engineering is so defined and so focused, lots of engineers sort of want to go into business for themselves and then go, hold on a second, I'm really good at making widgets or creating processes or creating systems. I'm fantastic at that, but I have no idea how to make somebody pay for it. 
Um, so they go off and do an MBA, <laughs> um, which is, um, uh, it's a journey, I mean, many art students take and, and many uh, many people from the engineering faculties take, the non-sort of commerce, commerce students. Um, did you find the MBA useful? Absolutely. You know, there's <laughs> a running joke. That's where they send the accountants and the engineers to go get personality. I don't know how to <gasps> sell stuff for <laughs> but um, yes, absolutely. It was, you know, for two reasons. I think the MBA was beneficial. Obviously, it exposes you to to so many other fields that, as a true engineer in the beginning, you won't have exposure to, and and you do learn techniques around, you know, customers and consumers um, and commercial thinking, uh, which is sometimes lacking in engineering degrees. Secondly, is getting exposure to 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 different undergrads, if you will, uh, different ways of thinking, uh, different. Uh, perspective from different industries and sometimes that's even more valuable um, and building that network so that uh, you know you are not it's not possible for you to solve every problem out there um, but it's possible to pick up the phone and phone a friend that might have uh, seen a problem like that uh, so beneficial from both sides absolutely um, talk to me about joining KFC because I mean you've had many many jobs in a career and you ended up joining Yum Brands. Um, Yum Brands is the yeah. owner of Pizza Hut and KFC and other brands as well. Um, you joined in 2018 and you didn't stick in one job very long. I think you had two or three before um, they said, "Well, okay, fine. You think you know everything? You run it." Uh, and, and you've been running it now for what a, a year or two. Yeah, that's well, yeah, it's. Uh, it was never it was never the expectation. So Bruce, to, to start how I joined, it was um, when I exited SAB Miller and moved back to, to Africa, and I knew very clearly what I would like to do in the next upcoming years. And it was always working with a brand that has passion and people have passion for that brand. So still remaining consumer focused. Um, secondly, joining a company that um, creates an environment that we can you know, truly develop people. And it's not just lip service. And there's really a strong culture of investing in people uh, internally and as well externally, making a difference in the community. And when I got the phone call from from a, from a lady called Liesel saying, "Can have a coffee and let's discuss KFC," um, you know, it was uh, the first time I actually considered it. Um, and meeting some of the the leadership, uh, you know, convinced me in a in a heartbeat to join the company. And as you said, I think May now it will be three years. Um, I joined originally in the supply chain operational side, uh, did a bit of the finance, um, and now and I have the privilege to 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 lead the South African business uh, and truly enjoying it. Is Liesl your sort of um, headhunter, somebody who's managing your career for you? Um, is she one of those people who's sort of been asked by KFC, find me somebody to fix XYZ problem, and Liesl goes to her 21st century Rolodex and goes through and says, I think Rudy will be good for that job. Let's go and have coffee with Rudy. Um, is that the way it works? Yeah. No, not in this case. So Liesl was the, the previous uh, chief people officer, people officer for oh, okay. KFC. Um, and I think that that connection really was, again, from an SAB Miller perspective, there's a connection between the, the, the then MD, Doug Smart, and Mark Bowman, who was a leader within the SAB Miller, that uh, the connection came up and there was a phone call. 
Again, two legendary managers of South African businesses. Mark Bowman ran the South Africa business of SAB, ran the Africa, all of Africa business of SAB. Um, And and of course, Doug Smart, uh, lovely guy. Um, You don't want to be a chicken anywhere near Doug Smart. And I guess you don't want to be a chicken anywhere near you because your life expectancy is is limited. How many restaurants are there now um, across the African continent, the sort of part of the African continent that you oversee? So... 960-odd in South Africa as we speak, um, around about 215 in the rest of Sub-Saharan Africa. That's under us. Um, and still growing, Bruce. Still growing strong. It's that smell, KFC, the seven herbs, 11. 11. How many herbs and spices are there? 11. What are they? What are they? What are the proportions? They are the are perfect you? mixture of um, herbs <laughs> and spices, Bruce. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah, is, is the KFC recipe sort of, does it come in a packet or do you have to mix it in the shop? Does it come from Kentucky, uh, from some well, basement somewhere <laughs> where somebody's got the, the secret, the kernel secret recipe? I can see that this is a technique to devolve some state secrets there, Bruce. Um, so, so it does come in several packets from several places across uh, you know, across the globe, uh, not just one entity. Um, and yes, it's freshly mixed, uh, freshly breaded in the back of the kitchen by our master cooks uh, so that the, the KFC you enjoy in Louis Trichard North or in the Western Cape or in any other continent um, is exactly the same. We're trying to meet uh, you know, the expectations of our consumers because they deserve it. Rudy von Scoop, General Manager of KFC South Africa. More from him in just a moment. The Money Show. Shapeshifters. Rudy von Square, General Manager of KFC South Africa. So you've got, what, nearly 1,200 restaurants. How many chickens um, go through KFC restaurants, these 1,200 KFC restaurants across the African continent every year, considering that just in South Africa, Astral Foods produces 5 million day-old chicks just to supply its part of the market? I, uh, I shudder to think just how many, chicks, uh, how many chickens have to be slaughtered weekly to keep you guys going. Yeah, I think that you've you've done the math before. Um, you know, it's quite a few, um, and uh, you know that number is growing as uh, more consumers are exposed to our chickens over time. Um, the perfect recipe will uh, will see us uh, spread further north. Um, in a in a world that is becoming increasingly obsessed about health. Um, and increasingly obsessed about what we put into our bodies. I mean, the KFC, KFC has never been subjected to the Morgan Spurlock treatment where Morgan, Morgan Spurlock with the uh, Super Size Me movie really caused havoc mm. for, for McDonald's, um, which is a big rival, of course, of Yum! Brands. Um, how are you facing up to those sorts of pressures in a world of deep-fried fat, crunchy, uh, calorific gorgeousness? Yeah, yeah, Bruce. I think that's that's an interesting question. You know, we um, we always try to we, we're unapologetic, firstly, around the chicken that we provide, um, but we also are very aware that we have to create enough alternatives uh, for our consumers so that they have choice when they enter our restaurants um, um, to you know have more healthier options, etc. Um, should they wish to. Um, the reality is that uh, people have choice um, over time. And as long as we can provide choice and alternatives, um, I think that we're doing um, our bit. Um, also, you know, working you know, with partners um, to reduce, um, we use more healthier blends of worlds, uh, reduce sugar intake by offering 
uh, sugar-free drinks as pairings or natural pairings to our meals. And also water swaps is, is trying to move the whole basket as well, as opposed to just our recipe, uh, to more healthy alternatives on our menu so that we can cater to everybody's needs. Nobody's forced to walk into a KFC. I mean, and again, I haven't been for a while because one, it, it's, you know, one has to have a level of self-restraint. You can go and they're going salad, salad, salad. Get the salad, get the second. Mm. And then you get the smell. And I'm afraid then it's no longer a choice. Um, and that's the problem, I suppose, uh, with fast food. The convenience is there. There is the, the huge impact, of course, of, of the price point. And KFC is by a long shot South Africa's most consumed fast food. Um, you can go into any food court and the queue is always going to be longer at a KFC than anywhere else. It's been a huge success story and you've also had no real competition. Um, Chicken Licken has got a different kind of offering to you. They've, they've been quite successful. Nando's has got a, a fundamentally different offering. Famous brands tried with Church's Chicken to compete with, uh, with KFC and got their butt kicked and uh, they've got chicken on their menu. But the standalone deep fried pressure cooked chicken the formula which KFC has got has actually been quite remarkable in its ability to withstand attempts to compete. Absolutely, I, you know, I agree. <laughs> I, I differ slightly. You know, I think that competition for us as a brand has only, you know, accelerated and grown over time. Um, you know, the the world of of fast food or ready to eat meals um, is long, you know, long gone just the QSR or the drive-through. You know, it's also you know retail markets, etc., that's offering these offerings uh, more readily and through e-commerce and delivery. Access to sit-down restaurants um, has made life much easier. I guess the success story is uh, you know in the perfect recipe that was um, galvanized you know, more than 75 years ago. Um, and as you mentioned, you know that recipe, that taste. Combined with um, you know access, um, you know a thousand restaurants across South Africa means that there's access for many as opposed to a few um, at the right price point, so that um, you could spoil yourself um, that once in a month time has been a perfect combination. Um, I think also people and consumers vote uh, every day with their wallets, um, not just because well with their wallets using their hearts and their brains as well. And I think that. Um, our brand has, has stood the test of time over 50 years because we've invested also heavily um, in the communities that we operate. Um, you know, 35,000 employees and still creating jobs in South Africa um, currently, um, which is a tough task for many. Um, and then, you know, our investment in, in our community programs. Um, you know, two years ago, we celebrated 10 years of our Ad Hope program. Um, the Ad Hope program you know, feeds 150,000 kids 13 million meals a year. Um, you can imagine how impactful that is and how necessary that is uh, in South Africa, you know, given sort of, you know, circumstances. And many crickets, um, where we've got 120,000 kids that get access to sport. Um, yeah, look, so I, I mean, that, let's, you know, let's not go. Let's not go down the cricket, the cricket route for Rudy, because not even you can fix cricket. Um, it's got its own yeah. problems. But getting kids to play cricket, of course, is is your objective. The franchise model. It is the most expensive uh, fast food franchise you can buy. Um, it you you have got many very loyal franchisee uh, franchisees who have done incredibly well. People own multiple franchises. That's often been seen as quite exclusionary, um, where you've got somebody with five or six franchises close together they've got a quite a big monopoly in an area they run great businesses and they're great for you um have you moved towards sort of making it a more accessible sort of franchise model for more people 
Yeah, Bruce, it's quite interesting. And I think that you can, you know, the franchise model, if you go globally and even locally, has gone through so many cycles where there's um, giving access to multiple um, franchisees and actually have a franchise model that you have um, very few restaurants owned by um, franchisors. And it's really an owner-operated model. Um, which gives you some benefit and pros and cons. Owners are close to it. Their hearts are in it, etc. That's the the the, 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 um, the thinking behind it. Versus where you have franchises where consolidation is very high, and you're trying to have many restaurants with single franchise single franchises. Or the pro there would be um, with scale. There's ability to invest in capacity and capability of uh, you know above store leadership and in store leadership, uh, which provides you know, efficiencies and, and consistency, et cetera. Um, from, a, from, a, from a South Africa perspective, um, you know, we've had a fairly steady set uh, of franchisees over the last, you know, 30 years, et cetera, many of them being longstanding. Um, and, you know, it's not exclusionary, but um, certainly uh, in a country like South Africa, with the realities of South Africa's scale um, is key uh, when there's economic pressures to ensure that, you know, makes sense for the franchisees. We've got time pressures there, Rudy. I mean, I, when I last looked, it was 5 million rand to get in. Is it still that sort of ballpark or has it gone up? Yes, it's, 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 it's in that ballpark, slightly, slightly yeah. more expensive currently. Yeah, I mean, it's look, it's fascinating, and it's a great franchise concept, and uh, the the longstanding franchisees will attest to that. Rudy van Squirt, thank you very much. Nice to chat to you this evening. Um, overseas, about uh, 11, 1,200 restaurants across sub-Saharan Africa, most of them in South Africa.